How many are happy to be in God's house this morning? Can you say amen? So thankful for each and every one of you. So thankful to be here. God is good. Where are y'all going? She is? Oh, okay. Hi, Alina. Good to see you. All right. Good to see you. All right, youth. Have a good, good service, youth. Enjoy yourselves. Give it up for the youth. So I've been out of the pulpit for the past four Sundays, and I'm thankful for everyone who brought the word over the last four weeks. Pastor Edward Paulino last Sunday. My mother, Bishop Diane Robinson, the week before that. And then, of course, my beautiful wife brought the word for two consecutive Sundays. It's hard for me not to preach. It's really hard. I have a lot of pastor friends that complain about having to preach too much. I was talking to one of my pastor friends. He goes, I preached for the last six Sundays. I'm like... That's it? <laughs> you know what it's like not preaching when you're a senior pastor? It's like somebody else taking care of your baby. And you, it's like you're happy for the break, but it still feels like, but that's my responsibility. Yeah. I'm supposed to be taking care of that baby. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's God's responsibility. Yeah. The church is God's baby, not my baby. And so I'm getting used to stepping back and letting other people fill the pulpit. Yeah. And I'm thankful to say that I was ministered to by all four of those powerful words that God brought through all three of those powerful servants of his. And I'm very thankful, very humbled, and uh, very thankful for each and every one of you who uh, uh, gave me this time. All right, uh, we're coming out of the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Verse 17 through 26, I'm reading from the New King James Version, Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26. This is what it says. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier? to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. My prayer is that we're going to see some strange things today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm looking for stranger things. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. There's a number of 
interesting things about this passage of Scripture. First of all, Jesus is in a house. He's preaching to a multitude of people that have filled every corner and crevice of that house. Many of them are scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law. We can assume that there are other individuals in the house other than the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but it's interesting to me that this is the only group that Luke identifies. That scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law came from every town to hear Jesus. Religious leaders came from everywhere to see Jesus, and they filled the house. And it said, the power of the Lord was with him to heal them. The scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law. The power of the Lord was with him to heal those who were not aware that they needed to be healed. But implicit in this story is that Jesus had been working a lot of miracles that day. Healing a lot of sick people, opening opening a lot of blind eyes, causing a lot of lame people to walk, a lot of deaf people to hear, working a lot of miracles. Maybe he cast out a demon or two as well. Jesus was doing the Jesus thing. And everybody was kind of used to seeing and hearing Jesus do the Jesus thing. What we discover behind this story is that there was a little bit of familiarity that was in the hearts and minds of the people. They had just kind of gotten used to the Jesus thing. They, They came from everywhere to see it, but when they saw it, they didn't really think much of it. It didn't really force them to come to any conclusions about who Jesus was. It, didn't, it no longer messed with their worldview. So you know that you have become familiar with something when it no longer has the capacity to mess with your worldview. And this is the state of Christianity in the, in the United States of America. Yeah. Is that regardless of what form of Christianity it is, It no longer messes with our worldview. We've gotten so used to seeing it and hearing it that we no longer think anything of it when we see it and heal it and hear it. I would always never cease to amaze me over the years is seeing people come into the house not knowing Jesus, get healed in their body, and walk away still not knowing Jesus. We've seen people come in with cancer and walk away healed of their cancer, but still not knowing Jesus. The miracle didn't mess with their worldview. It wasn't enough to mess with their worldview. And and the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, decides to mix stuff up because he knows exactly what needs to happen to mess with their worldview. I want to say to you today that God wants to mess with your worldview. Now, the first thing Jesus does is he notices the tiles on the roof start getting removed. He says, this is interesting. Let's see what happens here. And he sees a man on a cot, on a gurney, being lowered down through the roof. And then his friends apparently, I don't know if they stay up top looking down or if they climb down with him, but they they bring it down into this crowd, and the crowd sees somebody coming down from above, so they spread apart, and the man is laying right in front of Jesus. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. What does this dude want? And Jesus completely ignores what he knows he wants in order to offer him what he doesn't know he needs. He says, man, your sins are forgiven. I like Matthew's version of the story in this particular point a little bit better. Matthew has Jesus say, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. And then it's as if Jesus is going to go on with his teaching. He completely ignores what the man knows he wants in order to offer him what he doesn't know he needs. The man did not rip the tile apart because he needed healing, he needed forgiveness for his sins. He was not aware that he needed forgiveness for his sins. And we're all like that man. 
I never met a person who came to church because they discovered that they needed forgiveness for their sins. People come to church needing all kinds of things, aware of all kinds of stuff. I need healing in my body. I need a better job. I need an increase in pay. I need a new career. I need my wife to stop tripping. I need my husband to grow up. I need my kids to get off the hook. And we may even be aware of our need for forgiveness when we've messed up. But I can be aware of my need for forgiveness from my wife. I just want my wife to forgive me. From my kids, from my daughter. I just hope my daughter forgives me. From my family, from my friends, from my church members, when we, have, when we have committed grievances against other people, when we are aware of the fact that we've messed something up, our instinct is to desire forgiveness from the person, the earthly person that we have hurt. We are not naturally aware of the fact that we have sinned against God. So I will crawl to my wife. I'll tear the tiles apart in the roof to get my wife to forgive me. The man didn't realize that he was paralyzed in two ways. His body was paralyzed, but his soul was also paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His soul was paralyzed by sin. And Jesus says, I'm going to make your soul get up and walk before I make your body get up and walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have any of you watched the Hillsong documentary yet? Broke my heart. Yeah. I watched all of the episodes. Carl Lentz, the pastor of Hillsong, New York, who most of us know by now. If, I mean, if, you, if you don't know, that's fine. You don't even need to look into it. He was a mega pastor, a mega superstar, huge congregation, huge reach all over the world. Thousands of people in New York City. And the scandal broke that he had been having an, an affair. Apparently, it had more than one affair. And he lost his ministry. And uh, they interviewed him extensively for this documentary. In every one of the multiple episodes, they interviewed him extensively. And when he talked about how he hurt his wife, I could see the pain in his eyes. Matter of fact, at one point, he talked about how he felt so much shame that when he was home, his only agenda was never to look into the eyes of his wife. And when he said that, he broke. I mean, you could see the depth of his remorse for what he did to his wife. He talked about the, the pain that he caused his children, not just from what he did, but all of the hate that his children received on social media. His children who did nothing were all receiving thousands of hateful messages from people all over the world. Your dad is a piece of garbage. And when he talked about the shame and the the pain that he caused his children, I could see the pain in his eyes. His heart was broken. And when he talked about the pain that he caused the members of his congregation, many of whom he knows will, may, may never walk with the Lord again, may walk away from the Christian faith because the pastor they trusted failed in such a tremendous way, you could see the pain in his eyes. All of which I thought, this is great. He needs to grieve for that. But what I was waiting for in each episode was a moment in which he talked about how deeply he had grieved the heart of God. Yeah. How much pain he had caused God's heart. How he had betrayed the Lord who bought him. How he had trampled on the blood of Jesus. And I never saw that. And I'm not saying it's not there. I just didn't hear it. I didn't see it. And I was waiting for it. It seemed to me that he was aware that he had sinned against his wife, and he was aware that he had sinned against his children, and he was aware that he had sinned against his church. But the fundamental awareness, I've sinned against God. That's the foundation. The psalmist said it in Psalm 51.4, against you, you alone have I sinned. 
and done which is evil in your sight. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight. Against you and you alone. This is the fundamental issue. Not that I've sinned against my wife. Not that I've sinned against my children. I've sinned against God. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not the glory of marriage, not the glory of parenthood, not the glory of friendships, not the glory of family. We have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not aware of it. And so we all are tearing apart the tiles in the ceiling to get to Jesus because we want him to heal our body or our marriage or our family. We all have a sense of internal brokenness that we want God to heal. And it takes revelation for us to awaken to the fact that the primary thing that needs to be healed is the rupture in our relationship with God. My friends, if you ever get a revelation of how grievous your sin is before God, it will break your heart so deep that your heart will never heal. There are some things that you can't get free from till you get a revelation of how deeply they break the heart of God. There are some things that no program can free you from that there's no amount of discipline in the world that can set you free from. But when you get a revelation of how grievous it is before God and how deeply it breaks his heart, you'll never go there again because the pain is too deep. And suddenly you realize in that moment that the real issue of forgiveness is before God and God alone. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. I know you came in for your legs to be healed, but I've given you something better. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Mm. Oh, if you get a revelation of that, it'll bring you so much joy. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. You see, your wife can forgive you of how you hurt her, but only God can forgive your sins. Take heart, son. Be encouraged, son. Cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. Even if your legs don't work, your soul now works. Even if your legs don't work, your joy now works. Even if your legs don't work, your hope now works. Your encouragement now works. Take heart, son. Be encouraged, son. Your sins are forgiven. This is the encouragement you need when you've been crying out to God for something and he never gave it to you. When you've been asking and asking and answering and he hasn't answered your prayer, take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, instantly they react in their hearts. Who is this? Who is this who's blaspheming up in this piece? Who can, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is like, exactly. I've been waiting for you to come to that conclusion. Because for some reason it never dawned on you when I was casting out demons. You never said, who can cast out demons but God alone? But it's just as true. But you never came to that conclusion. When I said to the blind person, eyes be opened, you never said, who can open blind eyes but God alone? But it's just as true. When I said to the lame person, stand up and walk, you never said in your heart, who can make a lame person walk but God alone? But it's just as true. You never ask, who can multiply bread and fish but God alone? But it's just as true. Everything I've been doing, only God can do. Now all of a sudden, you got some theology. I see I've located the very place where something I do is about to screw with your worldview. 
Because it didn't, it's true, but it never dawned on you. But now that I said your sins are forgiven, all of a sudden I'm a blasphemer. Good. Perfect. Got you right where I want you. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus says, exactly. Only God can forgive your sins. But then he asked this question, which is easier to say? I've been pondering that question since I was in Bible college. I've been, you know, I've been waiting to preach this sermon for like 30 years. Which is easier to say? Is it easier to say, take up your mat and walk, be healed? Or is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? What's easier, healing sickness or forgiving sins? I know, it's a conundrum, right? Because at some time, you know, some moments I think, well, it's easier to forgive sins because, I mean, if he says your sins are forgiven you, you don't see nothing happen. But if you say, take up your mat and walk, and they don't take up their mat and walk, you know what I mean? It's like, it's in the physical. Like, you need to see, you look real stupid at that point. (laughs) And I realized the point is, is that one is not easier to say than the other. They both require divine intervention. They both require a supernatural, sovereign work of God's grace. The point that Jesus is making is that you have not come to the conclusion yet that if I can heal your diseases, I can forgive your sins. But you also haven't come to the conclusion that just as it takes faith to receive the healing of your diseases, it also takes faith to receive the forgiving of your sins. And some of us, many of us, I would dare say most of us, have more faith in God's power to heal our bodies than to cleanse our souls. Because I hear believers all the time talking about physical ailments that they desire to be healed. And I'm standing in faith. But when it comes to some pattern of sin in your life, well, maybe this is my thorn in the flesh. I got more faith for God to heal me than for God to cleanse me. You need to get your faith in the right place. This was a Psalm 103 moment. First, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then in verse 2 and 3, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Notice that word, forget not. Don't forget. Forget not all of his benefits. Some of us remember some of his benefits, but we've forgotten others. Who forgives all your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. Who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. It is well documented in Scripture that the forgiveness of sins and the healing of, of, of the forgiveness of sins and the healing of diseases goes hand in hand. That the God who heals you can forgive you. The God who heals you can cleanse you. The God who heals you can wash you. And Jesus is saying to this man and to the entire crowd, you've seen the Lord who heals work through me, but now you're going to see the Lord who forgives. And then Jesus ends with this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Translation, I'm going to work the miracle. I'm going to give him what he came in here knowing he wanted. But the reason I'm giving him what he came in here knowing he wanted is so that you will know that I can also give you what you didn't know you needed. I'm going to work the miracle. But at the end of the day, the miracle is temporary. That man got up and walked that day, but eventually at some point in his life, he lost the ability to walk again. Do you realize that everybody that Jesus healed physically also died physically after he healed them at some point in their future? 
Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and said, take away the stone. They took away the stone. He said, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came hopping out. He said, loose him and let him go free. They took the grave clothes off of him, and he was healed. He was raised from the dead. He was free, and guess what happened? Sometime later in the future, he had a second funeral because he died again. The physical miracle is a sign. It's a sign of something greater. It's a sign of something more. It points to something that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. That you may know. In other words, I need you to have faith to believe that I can forgive you of your sins. I need you to have faith to believe that I can wash it all away. I need you to have faith to believe that my grace is greater than all of your sin. I need you to have faith to believe that where sin abounds, grace all the more abounds. So I'm going to work this miracle. I'm going to heal this man. But not because the man asked for healing, but because I need y'all to know that I can forgive. And remember what it said at the beginning of the story. The scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law had come from every town in the region, and the power of the Lord was with him, Jesus, to heal them. The scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law. He was offering them what they didn't know they needed. He was offering to heal them of a sickness that they did not know they were infected with. They didn't realize that they were just as paralyzed as this man. They didn't realize that they were still filled with guilt and shame and condemnation and that one was in their midst who had the power to take away their guilt, to wash them of their shame, to take away their condemnation. Everybody in that room came in on a stretcher. The miracle was for the one man, but forgiveness of sins was for everybody. He was offering to raise everybody up that all of y'all might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And many of you came in this place on a stretcher today, and you don't know it. All you're aware of is the fact that you need a couple more thousand dollars a month in your budget to make it. That's what you're aware of. All you're aware of is that you can't stop fighting with your spouse. That's what you're aware of. All you're aware of is how frustrated you are at your job. That's what you're aware of. You're not aware of the fact that your joy is on a stretcher, that you're paralyzed in your soul, that you can't get up and walk. But Jesus has come today to say, I'm bringing the forgiveness of sins. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse something or another, Paul says, through him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, through the riches of his grace. Through him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, through the riches of his grace. Redemption is the forgiveness of sins. Peter said it in that first Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. For the forgiveness of your sins. It washes away your sins and we don't realize that inherent within the forgiveness of sin is the cleansing of it. Inherent within the forgiveness of sin, because if you were to get a revelation of how grievous your sin is before God, without the concurrent revelation of the power of his forgiveness, you would be depressed for the rest of your life. And that's the state of a lot of Christians, constantly depressed about personal guilt and personal shame and personal failure. I'm just a cursed wretch. You need to get the second revelation, the forgiveness of your sins. When you get the revelation of the forgiveness of sins, Paul said, um, therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do you realize that when God forgives your sins, He washes it away? He buries it in a sea of forgetfulness. And He makes a conscious decision never to think of it again. Which means... That if you are rehearsing your own sin in your heart after you already received forgiveness from God, you have knowledge that God does not have. <clears throat> I mean, what if God came to you and said, what are you so depressed about? Oh, man, I realize I failed in this and I messed this up. And God's like, when? When did you do that? You know, the other, you know, the other day I did such. And God's like, what? When did you do that? I don't remember that. God, you know all things. Yes, it's true that I know all things. But there's also some things that I determined long ago that I would not know. You see, only God has the power to forget. <clears throat> I thank God that we serve a forgetful God. Literally, God has the power to take a body of knowledge in his own mind and say, I choose to forget that. And when God chooses to forget, it's forgotten. He does not pull it out. You and I, we forget things and then we remember them. <clears throat> and then we have to learn how to try to forget it again. That's how we forgive other people, right? You pull them out every few months and slap them around. And then you remember that you forgave them. And so you forgive them again. And then you ask God, forgive me for remembering what they did. And you put them away and it's like, I'll see you in a few months. I had a situation when I was in ninth grade. In which I was mistreated by a teacher. In hindsight, it was racial because a white girl told a lie on me. And I was raked over the coals by this teacher for about a couple hours. And the next day, the same girl went and told a, a, a worse lie. And I was called in again and raked over the coals. And I felt completely powerless. And I felt so small. I spent decades trying to forgive. Pulling them out again, slapping them around, forgiving pull them out again, slapping them around, forgiving. And then one day the Lord spoke to me and said, you're not mad at the teacher. Yeah. You're not mad at the girl. Yeah. You're mad at yourself. Yeah. You're mad at yourself because you didn't stand up for yourself. Yeah. You're mad at yourself because you let that go down. You didn't even tell your parents. They would have advocated for you. You know, your mama would have went down there and raised hell. <clears throat> she probably would have slapped them around in the natural. <laughs> she wouldn't have let nobody do that to her baby boy. Yeah. Why didn't you tell anybody? Why didn't you stand up for yourself? Why didn't you say, this is wrong? I didn't do this? This is a lie. Why didn't you do that? I realized that I had been beating myself up for 30 years. Yeah. More than 30 years. Beating myself to a pulp. <clears throat> realizing that the one who actually needed forgiveness was me. Yeah. You see, it always comes back to you, your own heart, yeah, yeah, yeah. your own soul. Yeah. At the end of the day, forgiveness is an issue between me and God. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. We're going to see some strange things today. The people said, we have seen strange things today. Yeah. I mean, he's got the power to heal our diseases. He's also got the power to forgive our iniquities. Who is this man? God wants to mess with your worldview so he can set you free. Yeah. And many of you have come into this place today and you're paralyzed in your soul. But this morning before you leave, you're going to take up your bed and walk. Because the faith to receive the forgiveness of your sins is in the house today. When he saw their faith, 
He said, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven you. That's what the scripture said. He saw their faith, but they didn't know they had faith for the forgiveness of sins. All they knew is they had faith for the healing of his body. But at the end of the day, faith is faith. And if you've got faith for God to heal you, you've also got faith for God to cleanse you. Just appropriate the same faith, turn it in a different direction, make a decision today. I'm not leaving this place until my heart opens to that forgiving power of God. And this is the beauty of it <clears throat> as the worship team comes back. The forgiveness of sins applies to your past, your present, and your future. Do you realize that God has already forgotten sins that you haven't even committed yet? Let that sink in for a second. My sin, oh, the thrill of this glorious thought. My sin, not the part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. You say, Pastor, that's a license to sin. Because if all of my future sins are taken away, then I don't have to worry about it. I can just go out and sin boldly and just know it's all covered. It's all forgiven. No, 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 no. You don't get it. Because when you truly get a revelation of the forgiveness of sins, embedded in that revelation is the revelation of how grievous it is before God. And that he forgave me. I heard a testimony of a pastor whose wife discovered that he had been cheating on her with multiple partners. Now, I'm not saying that any woman is supposed to do this. But for some reason, a particular grace came on this particular woman. And she poured out such forgiveness on him instantly. And when he looked into her eyes and saw the depth of that forgiveness, it broke his heart to know how much grace was being afforded to him. And you know what it did in his heart? It set him free. He resolved within himself at that moment, I'll never walk in this way again. Why? Because how could you possibly forgive me? How could you possibly give me that kind of grace? What we don't realize is that forgiveness is not free. Sin must be punished. But God already dealt with it. The process was done 2,000 years ago when the Lord Jesus Christ hung on a cross between earth and heaven with nails in his hands and feet. He bore the punishment for your sin. That's where the forgiveness of sins is. Some of you, your joy is on a stretcher. Your hope is on a stretcher. But Jesus is here today. He's here to say, take up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven. That guilt you've been carrying, that shame you've been carrying, it's gone. I'm here to take it away. Take up your bed and walk. Take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Your sins are forgiven. And just as it was in that day, the power of the Lord was with him to heal them. The power of the Lord is with him today to heal us. Don't leave today without receiving from the depth of your heart the forgiveness of your sins. Make a decision today that I'm going to tear apart the tiles and the ceiling to get to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Lower me down on a mat so I can get my sins forgiven. It's better than anything else that he can give me the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to this altar. 
I believe that God is awakening hearts and awakening minds. I believe that God is awakening souls today. I, some of your hearts are saying, I need that this morning. Now, I'm not, this is not come to Jesus and be saved. It doesn't matter whether you know him, whether you've known him, whether you've walked with him for 30 years. We can walk with him for 30 years and forget that we have been cleansed of our sins. How often we forget. We don't realize that the totality of the Christian life is growing into this revelation that he has washed you of your sins. It's that 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and following, where he says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to God, knowledge self-control, and to self-control brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these qualities is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has been cleansed. Forget not all his benefits. You need to remember, this is why in the Last Supper, Jesus took the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me. Because you're going to be so tempted to forget so tempted to forget that I paid the price. To forget that I resurrected your soul. To forget that I've blotted out all of your transgressions. There in Isaiah chapter 45, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and forgives your iniquities. Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, God said in that day, no longer will a man teach his brother saying, know the Lord for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their lawless deeds no more. God says, I'm gonna teach you to forget that which I've forgotten. I'm gonna teach you to forsake that which I've covered. I'm gonna teach you to forget that which I've forgotten. I'm gonna teach you to forsake that which I have removed. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that a revelation of the forgiveness of sins would just spread throughout this house, that it would go through the live stream, that it would go through the, pod, the podcast, Father, that through this word spoken today, the revelation of the forgiveness of sins would go out into the earth and that faith would come. Whether we know Jesus or not, making a decision, this is the beginning of knowing him, coming to him for the forgiveness of sin, not going to my wife, not going to my kids, not going to my job, not, no, going to Jesus. It's about me and God. Against you, you alone have I sinned. My sin is between me and God. Lord, I'm bringing it to you. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. Give me faith to receive the forgiveness that's offered to me so freely. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's grace today, grace today, there's grace today, there's grace today, there's grace, but it takes faith to receive grace. Through grace you have been saved, through faith and that not of your own. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Make a decision today. Lord, my heart is opening to receive your grace. Father, we give you praise, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, Pastor Chinway and the team are going to lead us in worship. And I want everybody to stand. And some of us need to come and kneel at this altar. Some of us need to just, just come to the altar and seek the face of God. You've been walking in guilt. You've been walking in shame. You've been walking in con condemnation. You didn't know it, but your joy has been paralyzed. Don't leave today. I'm talking about breaking down the tiles. And some, you can break down the tiles by coming to this altar and getting on your knees and making a decision that I will walk no longer in that for which Christ has set me free. I will walk no longer in shame and condemnation over that for which Christ has forgiven me. I'm here to receive the blood of Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's sing. Let's sing. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. I'm no longer I'm no longer the blood of Jesus
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then verse 11 says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. And then verse 12, for as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wouldn't it be awesome to just wake up in the morning feeling like as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. That my sin is nowhere to be found to live throughout the day recognizing that your sin is nowhere to be found. To look for it and not find it. Where'd it go? He took it away. He washed it away. He took it away. He broke it off me. He set me free. He took it away. That's why I can bless the Lord. That's why I can bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Father, we worship you today, God. And we give you all the praise and glory in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Walk in that. Live in that. Amen.